You're listening to He That Is Righteous Is Favored of God, part of the 1830 Podcast Network. It is the 1990 Independence Edition of the Book of Mormon, followed by commentary. The views expressed in this podcast are those of the podcaster and don't necessarily reflect the beliefs of the Church of Christ. Chapter 13 And now I, Nephi, make an end of my prophesying unto you, my beloved brethren, and I cannot write but a few things which I know must surely come to pass, neither can I write but a few of the words of my brother Jacob. Wherefore the things which I have written sufficeth me, save it be a few words which I must speak concerning the doctrine of Christ. Wherefore I shall speak unto you plainly, according to the plainness of my prophesying. For my soul delighteth in plainness, for after this manner doth the Lord God work among the children of men. For the Lord God giveth light unto the understanding, for he speaketh unto men according to their language, unto their understanding. Wherefore I would that ye should remember that I have spoken unto you concerning that prophet which the Lord showed unto me, that should baptize the Lamb of God which should take away the sin of the world. And now, if the Lamb of God, he being holy, should have need to be baptized by water to fulfill all righteousness, oh, then how much more need have we, being unholy, to be baptized, yea, even by water? And now I would ask of you, my beloved brethren, wherein the Lamb of God did fulfill all righteousness in being baptized by water, know ye not that he was holy? But notwithstanding he being holy, he sheweth unto the children of men that according to the flesh he humbleth himself before the Father, and witnesseth unto the Father that he would be obedient unto him and keeping his commandments. Wherefore, after that he was baptized with water, the Holy Ghost descended upon him in the form of a dove. And again, it sheweth unto the children of men the straightness of the path and the narrowness of the gate by which they should enter he having set the example before them. And he saith unto the children of men, Follow thou me. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, can we follow Jesus, save we shall be willing to keep the commandments of the Father? And the Father saith, Repent ye, repent ye, and be baptized in the name of my beloved Son. And also the voice of the Son came unto me, saying, He that is baptized in my name, to him will the Father give the Holy Ghost, like unto me. Wherefore, follow me, and do the things which ye have seen me do. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, I know that if ye shall follow the Son with full purpose of heart, acting no hypocrisy and no deception before God, but with real intent, repenting of your sins, witnessing unto the Father that ye are willing to take upon you the name of Christ by baptism, yea, by following your Lord and Savior down into the water, according to his word, behold, then shall ye receive the Holy Ghost. Yea, then cometh the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost, and then can ye speak with the tongue of angels and shout praises unto the Holy One of Israel. But behold, my beloved brethren, thus came the voice of the Son unto me, saying, After that ye have repented of your sins, and witnessed unto the Father that ye are willing to keep my commandments by the baptism of water, and have received the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost, and can speak with a new tongue, yea, even with the tongue of angels, and after this should deny me, it would have been better for you that ye had not known me. And I heard a voice from the Father saying, Yea, the words of my beloved are true and faithful. He that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. And now, my beloved brethren, I know by this, that unless a man shall endure to the end in following the example of the Son of the living God, he cannot be saved. Wherefore do the things which I have told you that I have seen that your Lord and your Redeemer should do. For for this cause have they been shown unto me, that ye might know the gate by which ye should enter." For the gate by which ye should enter is repentance and baptism by water, and then cometh a remission of your sins by fire and by the Holy Ghost. And then are ye in the straight and narrow path which leads to eternal life. Yea, ye have entered in by the gate, ye have done according to the commandments of the Father and the Son, and ye have received the Holy Ghost, which witnesses of the Father and the Son unto the fulfilling of the promise which he hath made, that if ye entered in by the way, ye should receive. 
And now, my beloved brethren, after that ye have gotten into this straight and narrow path, I would ask if all is done. Behold, I say unto you, Nay, for ye have not come thus far, save it were by the word of Christ, with unshaken faith in him, relying wholly upon the merits of him who is mighty to save. Wherefore ye must press forward with a steadfastness in Christ, having a perfect brightness of hope, and a love of God and of all men. Wherefore, if ye shall press forward, feasting upon the word of Christ, and endure to the end, behold, thus saith the Father, ye shall have eternal life. And now, behold, my beloved brethren, this is the way. And there is none other way nor name given under heaven, whereby man can be saved in the kingdom of God. And now, behold, this is the doctrine of Christ, and the only and true doctrine of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, which is one God without end. Amen. Chapter 14 And now, behold, my beloved brethren, I suppose that ye ponder somewhat in your hearts concerning that which ye should do, after that ye have entered in by the way. But behold, why do ye ponder these things in your hearts? Do ye not remember that I said unto you, that after ye had received the Holy Ghost, ye could speak with the tongue of angels? And now how could ye speak with the tongue of angels, save it were by the Holy Ghost? Angels speak by the power of the Holy Ghost, wherefore they speak the words of Christ. Wherefore I said unto you, Feast upon the words of Christ. For behold, the words of Christ will tell you all things what ye should do. Wherefore now, after that I have spoken these words, if ye cannot understand them, it will be because ye ask not, neither do ye knock. Wherefore ye are not brought into the light, but must perish in the dark. For behold, again I say unto you, that if ye will enter in by the way and receive the Holy Ghost, it will show unto you all things what ye should do. Behold, this is the doctrine of Christ, and there will be no more doctrine given until after that he shall manifest himself unto you in the flesh. And when he shall manifest himself unto you in the flesh, the things which he shall say unto you shall ye observe to do. And now I, Nephi, cannot say more. The Spirit stoppeth mine utterance and I am left to mourn because of the unbelief and the wickedness and the ignorance and the stiff-neckedness of men. For they will not search knowledge nor understand great knowledge when it is given unto them in plainness, even as plain as word can be. And now, my beloved brethren, I perceive that ye ponder still in your hearts, and it grieveth me that I must speak concerning this thing. For if ye would hearken unto the Spirit which teacheth a man to pray, Ye would know that ye must pray, for the evil spirit teacheth not a man to pray, but teacheth him that he must not pray. But behold, I say unto you, that ye must pray always, and not faint, that ye must not perform anything unto the Lord, save in the first place ye shall pray unto the Father in the name of Christ, that he will consecrate thy performance unto thee, that thy performance may be for the welfare of thy soul. Chapter 15 And now I, Nephi, cannot write all the things which were taught among my people. Neither am I mighty in writing like unto speaking. For when a man speaketh by the power of the Holy Ghost, the power of the Holy Ghost carrieth it unto the hearts of the children of men. But behold, there are many that harden their hearts against the Holy Spirit, that it hath no place in them. Wherefore they cast many things away which are written, and esteem them as things of naught. But I, Nephi, have written what I have written, and I esteem it as of great worth, and especially unto my people. For I pray continually for them by day, and mine eyes water my pillow by night because of them. And I cry unto my God in faith, and I know that he will hear my cry, and I know that the Lord God will consecrate my prayers for the gain of my people. And the things which I have written in weakness will he make strong unto them, for it persuadeth them to do good. And the things which I have written in weakness, will he make strong unto them, for it persuadeth them to do good. It maketh known unto them of their fathers, and it speaketh of Jesus, and persuadeth men to believe in him, and to endure to the end, which is life eternal. And it speaketh harsh against sin, according to the plainness of the truth. 
Wherefore, no man will be angry at the words which I have written, save he shall be of the spirit of the devil. I glory in plainness. I glory in truth. I glory in my Jesus, for he hath redeemed my soul from hell. I have charity for my people and great faith in Christ, that I shall meet many souls spotless at his judgment seat. I have charity for the Jew. I say Jew because I mean them from whence I came. I also have charity for the Gentiles. But behold, for none of these can I hope, except they shall be reconciled unto Christ, and enter into the narrow gate, and walk in the straight path which leads to life, and continue in the path until the end of the day of probation. And now, my beloved brethren, and also Jew, and all ye ends of the earth, hearken unto these words, and believe in Christ. And if ye believe not in these words, believe in Christ. And if ye shall believe in Christ, ye will believe in these words, for they are the words of Christ. And he hath given them unto me, and they teach all men that they should do good. And if they are not the words of Christ, judge ye. For Christ will shew unto you with power and great glory that they are his words at the last day. And you and I shall stand face to face before his bar, and ye shall know that I have been commanded of him to write these things, notwithstanding my weakness. And I pray the Father in the name of Christ, that many of us, if not all, may be saved in his kingdom at that great and last day. And now, my beloved brethren, all they which are of the house of Israel, all ye ends of the earth, I speak unto you as the voice of one crying from the dust, Farewell until that great day shall come. And you that will not partake of the goodness of God, and respect the words of the Jews, and also my words, and the words which shall proceed forth out of the mouth of the Lamb of God, behold, I bid you an everlasting farewell, for these words shall condemn you at the last day. For what I seal on earth shall be brought against you at the judgment bar, for thus hath the Lord commanded me, and I must obey. Amen. Chapter 13, if there, there, so there's a header on your Book of Mormon that says baptism, and that is uh, amazing that it's there, because when you think about the history, that is what we're talking about, okay? This, this chapter 13 is about baptism, and Nephi ended chapter 12 by saying, I must make an end of my sayings, and then he came back in 13 and had the short chapter just on baptism for his people. It reminds me of Moroni. Who, who decided to write just a few more things. And then he gave us the, the prayers over the sacrament, right? So it's very important things. I think he, the way it's, he says it, that they may be of worth. And so here's Nephi adding some things at the end of his writings that they may be of worth. And, and he outlines and shows us, and purely by the power of God, and Nephi had this vision of the Son of God being baptized, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Before we get into that, verses four and five, this is a whole new concept and it, bl it blows my mind. When I read verses four and five, this, the implications of this. So, so baptism, yes, that comes at around verse seven, but verses four and five, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Let's read this. For my soul delighteth in plainness, for after this manner doth the Lord God work among the children of men. For the Lord God giveth light unto unto the understanding, for he speaketh unto men according to their language, unto their understanding. And so what I like about this verse is 
when you look at what time period this is, 600 BC, he's speaking to Nephi and his people unto their understanding. And he's making this declaration. This is at this time, God had a chosen people and it was the Jewish people. And so this takes away the idea that God is only a God for the Jews and the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He, he's a God for, for everyone. And he's shows that, that, that nuance that he loves the whole world, right? We read that already and he does nothing save it be for the whole world. Well, he speaks to all men everywhere, according to their language and to their understanding. The Jews have a record and it was for them and it was unto their understanding. And over here, we see this verse that, that there's an existence of a, a God who makes it plain unto, uh, who giveth light unto an understanding and he speaketh unto men according to their language unto their understanding. So it's not specific or peculiar or only for Jewish people. God was God to, to everybody and he will speak to you according to your understanding. Now there was a, a purpose to choosing Israel and, and, and I'm not saying that there was, I don't understand all of God's ways, but I like this verse in our day and time to, to recognize that he will, he is a God for everybody. And there it's true that he was a God for the Jewish people and, and the Israelites and Nephi was an Israelite, uh, you know, so it kind of is counter countermanding what the thought I had. And, and I'm, I'm taking this verse and I'm running with it really far. Okay. I'm, I'm bending the rules a lot to make this point, but the thought struck me that he's not just a God of the Jews. Did he not say in the chapters before this 12 and 11, that what he does, he does for the whole world and the sacrifice he's going to make, um, to show us an, uh, a type and, and the, the purpose and the meaning of of Jesus Christ and why he came is to know that he would die for the whole world. And he, he uh, purposed it, this law of Moses as a way to show the whole world through these people, how much of a sacrifice he was willing to make. And, and, and the rules that he made for, for the Israelites were hard for them and, and he knew it and, and it's what they needed to be, to be his people. And, I don't, I don't know how to say it. I don't know how to explain it all, but I love that he says that I will speak unto men according to their language, unto their understanding. And we see that with uh, Ether, uh, the brother of Jared, and how at, at a time he wasn't just a God of the Jewish people, was he? Before that, he was a God for, for Noah, for Abraham, uh, uh, for the for, uh, uh, brother of Jared. And, and so this kind of lends us to that line of thought. I'm going to be talking a long time here if I keep going on this. So uh, I should just be highlighting these verses and put a thought in your head and review it and think of it and come up with your own explanation. But there's something to verses four and five that I think are peculiar and worth highlighting. And I, I like those verses. Uh, moving on now, baptism. Verses seven, I, I'm, I read the whole chapter and I highlighted things that I like that I want to make comments on. The whole chapter is about baptism. And so let's just start with verse seven. And now if the lamb of God, he being holy should have need to be baptized by water to fulfill all righteousness. Oh, then how much more need have we being unholy to be baptized? Yea, even by water. So he sets the standard and, and I like Nephi's uh, thought process here. Jesus Christ was baptized and he saw the vision of it. He saw John the Baptist taking him into the water and the, and the dove coming down in verse 10, right? And so if he's got to be baptized, who is pure and righteousness and, and, and he fulfilled righteousness to be humbled before God the Father and to do this purpose, this, this ordinance of being baptized by water, how much more then should we being unholy? Baptism is very important, and we're going to see more and why it is important, or at least why God—we're going to see that God has made it important. Um, verse 9, But notwithstanding he being holy, he showeth unto the children of men that according to, according to the flesh he humbleth himself before the Father, and witnesseth unto the Father that he would be obedient unto him and keeping his commandments. Wherefore, after he was baptized with water, the Holy Ghost descended upon him in the form of a dove. And at the end of verse 11, he having set the example before them. So Christ was baptized. Anybody who's not baptized has got to be reading these verses 
and and feeling a little bit of heat under their collar, a little bit of pressure on their shoulders, and and a little bit of uh, uh, a common sense seeping through somewhere to say, you know, maybe maybe this is important. <laughs> if if Jesus Christ, the Son of God, submitted Himself unto the Father in heaven and was baptized to to show us an example of how to get to heaven, and you still haven't uh, studied it or considered what it means, then you have got to be reading these words now and hearing my voice and feeling pressure, feeling a, a conviction of getting to the bottom of this. What does it mean to be baptized? Because it says you got to do it. And in verse 12, at the very end, follow thou me. We're supposed to follow Jesus's example. And he says so uh, many times. Uh, verse 14, and the father said, repent ye, repent ye, and be baptized in the name of my beloved son. So that's Nephi hearing a voice from, from above, right? Fear, hearing the God the Father saying, repent and be baptized in the name of my beloved son, Jesus Christ, right? So get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. In John 3, verse 5, you hear the same thing, uh, same kind of story. And also the voice of the son, verse 15, came unto me saying, he that is baptized in my name, to him will the Father give the Holy Ghost like unto me. Wherefore, follow me and do the things which ye have seen me do. All of this is happening before Nephi's eyes. He sees the importance of it. Baptism is so important. And we are 600 years before the, the coming of Christ and the establishment of the Church of Christ and baptism, right? These guys were practicing baptism long before anyone in Israel thought of it. Um, I, I, I don't believe they were baptizing um, or, or at least not in this manner. I'm, I'm not sure exactly because I have heard uh, things where, where they went down into the water to be healed uh, at uh, the Shiloh and, and other places. So that they they did something like that, but I don't believe it was baptism unto God the Father and to and to do this. So, so this was happening uh, in the in the Americas, and it was instituted long before uh, Jesus Christ was baptized. And there was this people who were in the interim, a little bit in between. We are following the law of Moses, but we're also being baptized unto unto God uh, long before uh, the Church of Christ is established. Verse 16, I know that this is, I'm going to jump into the middle. So wherefore, my beloved brethren, and this is the part I have highlighted. I know that if ye shall follow the Son with full purpose of heart, acting no hypocrisy and no deception before God, but with real intent, repenting of your sins, witnessing unto the Father that ye are willing to take upon you the name of Christ by baptism, yea, by following your Lord and your Savior down into the water, according to his word, behold, then shall ye receive the Holy Ghost. That is set in stone. That is a rule that is absolutely the truth and will happen, right? You will receive the Holy Ghost. Um, some people have great testimonies of this event happening, feeling it come upon them, feeling a, a, a change in them, a change in their heart. I can say for myself, I, I didn't feel any different after being baptized. Uh, maybe I was too young to know what I was doing. You know, I was about 10 or 12 and I, I was uh, being baptized, but I knew the rules. I knew it had to be done. I knew that this is this is the way I had I had enough sense to go through and study this with my my brother and with with others uh, uh, of the ministry uh, my brother my father uh, I don't know why I said that and others in the ministry and and so I went through the process that they require you have to understand it doesn't mean you have to know it all but you have to understand your commitment and so the promise is that the Holy Ghost will be with you and so in spite of the fact that I didn't feel any change I know that this is a rule. I know that it is there. I know that it is working with me. I don't feel it all the time. Maybe I, I've, uh, you know, that's my own problem, but I don't always hear how God speaks to me. But what I do know is that it must be there. It has to be, God does not break his promises and he cannot break the rules and he cannot lie. This is true. And you can have that same gift and it comes along with choosing to follow God and be baptized. But there's a caveat, right? At the end of verse 18, I have these, this last line uh, highlighted. If you should deny me, it would have been better for you that you had not known me. So you, if you take that step into baptism and then you, you walk away from it, there's, there's a penalty. 
And I don't want to go too far into that, but there is that verse in, in 18, as he's teaching us about baptism, Nephi put that in there. There is, there is something that you better know when you do this. Uh, verse 20 and 21, he that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. And now my beloved brethren, I know by this, that unless a man shall endure unto, endure to the end and following the example of the son of the living God, he cannot be saved. So does baptism is that the end? I mean, you get baptized and, and you're it. You're, you punch your ticket. You're going to heaven. Absolutely not. That is not the way it is. That is not what is declared here in the Book of Mormon. That is not what is the the way of the Church of Christ that he instituted. And Nephi knew this, and he and he showed us right away. He taught us about baptism, and then in the same chapter of baptism, he tells us that it is not the end. You have to endure. You have to keep going. And uh, I skipped over verse 20. So your bumper sticker verse for verse uh, chapter 13 is he that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. I like that very quick, very succinct, succinct, uh, uh, very uh, perfect verse, right? S baptism is the beginning. You don't have to know all the answers when you get baptized, but you do have to know that you cannot deny or, or, or if you would uh, have, it would have been better that you had never been baptized if you should be baptized and then deny Jesus Christ and the Holy Ghost, right? And, and deny me if that is the Holy Ghost talking. You also have to know that you have to endure to the end. You have chosen a path and a walk of life that you cannot stop. You got to keep going. You cannot look back. You can't be, you know, you turn into the pillar of salt, right? Looking at Sodom and Gomorrah. You have to walk away from the world and don't look back. And so baptism is the beginning, but it is it is also that you have to keep going. You have to endure to, and to the end. And, and the churches of this world, they don't like that doctrine. They don't preach that doctrine. They don't, they don't uh, uh, teach their people that that is the 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 price you have to pay when you when you walk in, in this uh, light when you walk this path you have to keep going and endure if you endure it means it's going to be rough it's not going to be downhill all the way it's going to be a struggle and so because there's a struggle there is also a, another part of this so let's uh continue I'm getting way off track so uh, verse 23 the second half of it it says that you might know that you might know the gate by which ye should enter for the gate by which ye should enter is repentance and baptism by water and then cometh a remission of your sins by fire and by the Holy Ghost and then are ye in the straight and narrow path which leads to eternal life the first thing he says is repentance and that's going to keep on going even after your baptism even after you have been enduring for five years there's still sometimes repentance involved in that, if not all the time. Even after 10 years, you still have to repent. After a lifetime of living righteously, sometimes you still have to repent. At the at the last moments of this time of your time on this day of probation, there's always repentance involved. And so you endure and you repent and you stay on that path. Um, and that is the way, that is the narrow path. Uh, let's go to verse 27. Um, I have highlighted the second half. After ye have gotten into the straight and narrow path, I would ask if all is done. And now we get to the part that I think is uh, the the crux of this, the message, the, the thesis statement was to put out at the beginning of this essay of chapter 13 and, uh, you know, towards the beginning. And now we get to the part that is the most important, the part that he's he's warming up to. And, and I want to, to really point out the last 28 through 32 are the verses that I think have the most meaning in chapter 13. Uh, Behold, I say unto you, nay, for ye have not come this far, save it were by the word of Christ, with unshaken faith in him, relying wholly upon the merits of him who is mighty to save. Wherefore, ye must press forward with a steadfastness in Christ, having a perfect brightness of hope and a love of God and all men. That section from unshaken faith in him to love of God and all men. I have that highlighted in one color and arrows pointing down to verse 32. And now behold, this is the doctrine of Christ. And th that's the parts that go together. You, you, if you read, and now behold, this is the doctrine of Christ. And then I want you to jump back up to the end of verse 28 
you that uh, the with unshaken faith in him, relying wholly upon the merits of him who is mighty to save, wherefore ye must press forward with a steadfastness in Christ, having a perfect brightness of hope and a love of God and all men and of all men. That is the doctrine of Christ. And it's how I understand it. This is my opinion of these verses. And so uh, let's go now that we've pointed that out, what I think the the doctrine of Christ is is that section in twenty eight and twenty nine. Let's read verse 30. Wherefore, if ye shall press forward, feasting upon the word of Christ, and endure to the end, behold, thus saith the Father, ye shall have eternal life. And there's plenty of verses that support this in the Bible and Matthew. Uh, I think you have 10, 21, and 22 in your Books of Mormon that are uh, already given as a reference. You can also find Matthew 24, 13. And we've also read this in 1 Nephi 3, 188 that you feast upon the words of Christ and endure unto the end, you will have eternal life. And now let's go to 31 and the second part of it. And there is none other way nor name given under heaven whereby man can be saved in the kingdom of God. And now behold, this is the doctrine of Christ and the only and true doctrine of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, which is one God without end. Amen. So that is chapter 13. We learn about baptism. We learn that there's more to it than baptism is the beginning. It is the gate. It refers to it as the gate. And then it tells us we have to endure to the end. There's, it's not just uh, get baptized and you're saved. There's more to it. There's more to uh, being baptized and, and the doctrine of Christ. And you have to be, have un, you have to have unshaken faith in him and relying wholly upon the merits of, of Christ who is mighty to save Wherefore, you must press forward with steadfastness in Christ, having a perfect brightness of hope and a love of God and of all men. That is the way. That is what baptism and that is what chapter 13 is about. Chapter 14. Chapter 14 has a different theme. Uh, uh, no, no. Chapter 15 does. But chapter 14 continues with the theme of, of 13, but it kind of tells you um, it's really short and it has a few verses but it gives you more uh, clues and more uh, a few more uh, verses to highlight. Uh, but I want it to go. The first thing I notice in 14 is there's a, a verse in chapter 13, verse 30, where it says feasting upon the word of Christ. And if you go, I drew an arrow from that all the way down to verse four of chapter 14. Wherefore, I said unto you, feast upon the words of Christ. For behold, the words of Christ will tell you all things what you should do. So, the, again, it's amazing or it's powerful and it's a witness that Jesus Christ and and God through the through the power of God, Nephi saw Jesus Christ. He saw these things and he saw him being baptized and he knew what was to come and he knew the doctrine of Christ and he knew the the things that no one else uh, could know without uh, the Holy Ghost revealing it to them. And he knew these things of Christ. And so they, they, in spite of being descendants of and like the Jews, which were falling into sin, these people were separated and did not become victims of what happened to Israel when they were taken captive by Babylon and spread in, into uh, the diaspora. So these people knew Jesus Christ and they obeyed and followed God and, and were looking forward to, to Christ, not not like the people in Israel or uh, Jerusalem. The other verse is verse one, uh, that which we sh- that which we should do after ye have entered in by the way. That would be the title and the continuing theme of chapter 14. It's what else you have to do. And to, so after you've been baptized, you feast upon the words of Christ. That is the next step. And you keep studying and you keep, uh, there's uh, verse five, it says you knock and, and you, and, and the only reason you're struggling is because you haven't asked God. And if you don't, you're going to be, you're brought into your light, but if not, you'll perish in the dark. And, and so it keeps going with this idea that, um, this is the doctrine of Christ and there will be no more doctrine given. This is verse seven. And so you get baptized, you follow Christ and you, you rely on the Holy ghost, right? And this is the doctrine and there's no other doctrine given until after he shall manifest himself unto you in the flesh. So at the end of verse seven, you get this looking forward to of Christ established. They knew that we have to rely on the Holy Ghost. We have to be baptized and we are looking until the until he shall manifest himself unto us to reveal the rest of the doctrine of Christ. 
And so this uh, proves the point that uh, of chapter 13 and, and of the people of Nephi, the Nephites, they knew of Christ and they were waiting and hoping for his coming to establish this, this church of Christ. And, and they, they had something that the people of Jerusalem did not have. And then let's go to verses 11 and 12. And these are, this is about praying. So you have to uh, feast upon the words of Christ, right? Now that you've been baptized and you have got to pray. So let's look at verses 11 and 12. For if ye would hearken unto the spirit, which teacheth a man to pray, ye would know that ye must pray for the evil spirit teacheth not a man to pray, but teacheth him that he must not pray. But behold, I say unto you that ye must pray always and not faint that ye must not perform anything unto the Lord, save in the first place ye shall pray unto the Father in the name of Christ, that he will consecrate thy performance unto thee, that thy performance may be for the welfare of thy soul. So there's a lesson here, obviously, that we have to pray and we have to uh, feast upon the words of Christ. But here's something interesting. Who do you, pr- when we pray, and this is a basic thought, but it's it's something that we I have to teach my kids. And maybe this will be helpful to you too. When you pray, you pray to God the Father and you pray in the name of Jesus Christ. You shall pray unto the Father in the name of Christ in verse 12. So I have the whole verse highlighted and I have this line, ye shall pray unto the Father in the name of Christ. And we heard verses in chapters 13 and 14 that it is the merits of Christ that is going to get us to heaven. We will be baptized and we will feast upon the word of Christ and we will press forward with a steadfastness in Christ, having a perfect brightness and hope. And we are unshaken faith in him, relying wholly upon the merits of him who is mighty to save. It is all about Jesus Christ. And we're going to, to submit our prayer up to God and the reason it has merit is because we are saying we're doing it in the name of Christ. And that is how it has, it is consecrated for our performance. That is what I guess qualifies it as being, you know, I'm sure God hears our prayers, but when you pray in the name of Christ, you are acknowledging the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the sacrifice of the father in giving his son to the world. And so that is what he asks of us. He requires of us in our prayers that you do it in the name of Christ. And so these are the main points of chapter 14. And I want to turn to page 651. On page 651 of the Book of Mormon, there's another verse that ties in. And it says in verse 48, uh, let's see, this is third book of Nephi, chapter 8, verse 48. And as I have prayed among you, even so shall ye pray in my church, among my people who do repent and are baptized in my name. So when you hear the Spirit teaching a man to pray, right, that's what these two verses are. And then we have this cross-reference to Jesus Christ himself saying, you shall pray in my church among my people who come in my name. And so we're kind of, we're given a lesson on how to pray. And then Christ shows up and in third Nephi and says, pray in my church. So I want to add that in with this same lesson. It should be here and it should be a cross-reference. And now let's go to chapter 15. We're reaching the end of Nephi's writings. Uh, and so let's, uh, there's a lot here. It's just a short chapter, two pages, but uh, there's a lot of highlighted verses here. So I'm going to continue. Verse, and we get to verse one, the first verse of chapter 15. And now I, Nephi, cannot write all the things which were taught among my people, neither am I mighty in writing like unto speaking. For when a man speaketh by the power of the Holy Ghost, the power of the Holy Ghost carrieth it in unto the hearts of the children of men. And when you read that, you need to have a cross-reference to 1 Corinthians 2, verses 10 and 12. And I'm going to read that next. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now when now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. So it kind of has the same commission, the same statement, that the Spirit of God is what um, works in our heart. And it has this power to take our words, our, our speaking, our writings, and the Holy Ghost carries them into our hearts. And we rely on that. We, we have uh, 
uh, if I was to, to earlier, I said that, uh, I know I have the spirit of God with me and that, uh, it's, it's a promise and I don't always feel it, but there are times when I'm reading the words of, of Christ, the, the words of the Holy, you know, our scriptures that this it seems like I'm just, uh, uh, pushed to the edge of, of my, my, uh, I don't know how to say it, th- that it is, it fills me somehow. And it, and it's I don't I would say it's understanding, but not always. It, sometimes it just fills me with confidence, and it fills me with, um, and I just feel better afterwards. So this is my testimony, if I will, that maybe the spirit of God uh, is lacking in me, and and my confession that that maybe I should be studying more. But there is something that I feel um, adrenaline when I read the scriptures sometimes. So that's my witness to verse one, uh, that the Holy Ghost carries it into our hearts. Verse two, but behold, there are many that harden their hearts against the Holy Spirit, that it hath no place in them. Wherefore, they cast many things away, which are written and esteem them as things of naught. So I like verse two because it's just the opposite, right? It's, uh, no, go. And so it, uh, I lost my train of thought. So we have the, the second verse. And it's just the opposite of what is verse one. So if you have this, the Holy Ghost carrying it into your hearts, you also have the ability to harden your hearts. And so the way I imagine that is, is at first the Holy Ghost can carry it in there, but you can put up a wall. You can harden your heart and you can deny the Holy Ghost taking a, a, a having an effect on your heart. And man, what a horrible thought, right? That you can make it. You have the power to harden your heart and and give no place for the Holy Spirit within you, to to move and to affect you, and that is uh, I, I include that after verse one because there is a counterpoint that we have to have uh, humility. We cannot know the truth and use the scriptures to find what we want the truth to be. We have to have a humility and be moved by the words when when it teaches us and let the Holy Spirit teach us. Verse four, for I pray continually for them by day and mine eyes water my pillow by night because of them. And I cry unto my God in faith and I know that he will hear my cry. And I, is the part I really like. And I know that the Lord God will consecrate my prayers for the gain of my people. So the, so I like the whole thought you get the, in the verse you see into the soul of Nephi, he has such a caring and tender heart and he's in the you know, all throughout his life, we've read his whole story from when he was a teenager up until the end. He's going to die in about two more pages, you know. So here is his his statement that he prays for his people and he, he cries for them. Literally, he waters his pillow by night and he knows that God will consecrate his prayers. I, I so appreciate Nephi. Uh, someday it's going to be great to meet him. And uh, what a great what a great man. What a great life story. Right. I, but I like this verse that God will consecrate my prayers. And so I look at that in my own life that I, so when you're thinking of when your prayers and it's hard sometimes to pray in front of people, uh, a lot of times you, you don't know what you can do. Everything in this world is against you and, and there's nothing you can do about the situation you're in, but you can pray and God will consecrate your prayers. And that is an effective lesson there. And I like underlining that verse. And so let's go to verse six. Here's, here's, uh, I'm going to continue on. And I have the second half of this six, uh, underlined. No man will be angry at the words, which I have written, save he shall be of the spirit of the devil. So he's telling us all these things that I've written in these first two books of the book, uh, of the book of Mormon, all these verses, if you have trouble, if you struggle with the things that are written in them, you better check yourself. Because if you are angry at these words, then it is the spirit of the devil that is working in you. Uh, verse seven, I glory in plainness. I glory in truth. I glory in my Jesus, for he hath redeemed my soul from hell. When I, I hate to, to say this, but when I, when I hear this verse, it is such a happy and uplifting thought. And the mo, the way I equiv- uh, equate this in my mind is at a Baptist church where you see people, you know, clapping their hands and celebrating with joy and with a, a, a passion that sometimes I don't always see in our church of Christ, but this is what is existing in Nephi right now. And he glories in truth. And he, and he says, I glory in my Jesus. And so 
I when I when I hear that red, I, I have an image in my mind that's not like what I see always in the Church of Christ, but I uh, I see it as uh, that imagery as um, a Baptist church, which is just, it is, they're so, they're so happy. They're so powerful. And they preach this message and glorying in Jesus way better than I think we do in the church of Christ. So sometimes, you know, maybe it's my own fault, but, but I see that and I only see the, the struggles we have in our church and in the huge prayer list of all the things that have come upon us and our, and our friends and our families who are struggling and, and it's not always that way, is it? This is uh, glory in my Jesus. And I wish I wish we could glory in plainness, glory in truth, and glory in Jesus like the way Nephi is preaching here in verse 7. Uh, verse 8 is your bumper sticker verse. I have charity for my people and great faith in Christ. That is what I see in the church of Christ. That is what I see um, as, a, as a bumper sticker on everybody's heart in the Church of Christ. And every church local I go to, I have charity for my people. You know, a lot of us do things wrong. A lot of us in our church locals, uh, boy, I, I wouldn't do what so-and-so is doing, but I have charity for them and I have faith in Christ. And that's what's going to get us through. And I, and I wish that I wasn't so upset right now because of this situation or that situation or those guys believe this way or they don't like the way I do things or... Or, you know, all of this keeps happening, but the truth of it is I have charity for my people. I have charity for my people and great faith in Christ. And I'm telling you, if you come to the Church of Christ in any one of our services at any one of our locals, this bumper sticker is written on all of their hearts. Okay, verse 10, let's continue on. But behold, for none of these can I hope except they shall be reconciled unto Christ and enter into the narrow gate and walk in the straight path, which leads to life and continue in the path until the end of the day of probation. This should be included with verse nine. Nine is the subject matter of verse 10. 10 is what I have highlighted. So to understand this, you're going to have to go back to verse nine. I have charity for the Jew. I say Jew because I mean them from whence I came. I also have charity for the Gentiles. But behold, for none of these can I hope. And here's that statement or, or sentiment that we learned in chapter 12, that in the last days, I, he doesn't play favorites. He doesn't say the Jews are my chosen people or the Nephites, I'm going to favor more than the Lamanites or because you're Lamanites, I don't like you because of what you killed my Nephites, you know, or because you are Gentiles and you have the Bible and you picked up the, the, the standard when the Nephi, when the Jews failed, you know, you're my, you're the guys that I want now. And, you know, it's not like that. All of the people everywhere in the world, whether you're of, of a far Eastern descent, like what the, the Jaredites went through, you know, it's, it's for the whole world. And he says, but behold, but behold, for none of these can I hope, and that's everyone in the world, except they shall be reconciled unto Christ. The people who are the baptized and reconciled unto Christ, those are his chosen people. The people who have taken upon them the name of Christ, they are my people, and they are the ones for who I have hope for. The next verse, uh, verse 15 at the very beginning, I pray the Father in the name of Christ. It supports that statement I made earlier. Who do we pray to? We pray to the Father, and we have to include in the name of Christ, for it is the merits of Christ that uh, uh, that God uh, tells us how we should pray, right? And now verse 17, and you that will not partake of the goodness of God. I'm going to stop here and set this up. We have now the end of the first uh, right, the 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 Book of Mormon as written by Nephi, and from here on out, he's going to die in another two pages. And so we have heard his story from the beginning when he's a teenager up until the end. When he, and his whole life, he has spent rebuilding and starting over. He left Jerusalem, and his family had to start over. And they struggled through the wilderness, and they finally made it to a land bountiful and and. And wow, they could have stopped there, but no, God said, build me a boat. And so they struggle for a year on this boat and it could have been stopped there and they come to a new land and and they could have, uh, and, and Nephi, then he's there with uh, the Lamanites have this uh, danger that is upon them and he has to grab the good people and head off again and take off and separate themselves. And he had to start over and his whole life he has been starting over and God chose this man, Nephi. And he was abused. He was an abused child, right? He was the youngest uh, brother. He had two older brothers that abused him. And he had a, a lifestyle 
that was always on the on the move, right? A nomad, it just leave everything and go and follow God. And he was willing to do it. He was able to do it. And God worked with that uh, young man. And there's a power that uh, existed that God chose him, but his whole life has not, his life was not uh, easy. And he was persecuted all the way throughout his life. And, and he was always starting over until he finally gets to the promised land and they finally separate themselves from the Lamanites. And now we begin to see uh, some peace maybe at the end of his life. But he, what an amazing story. What amazing an amazing life story is presented to us in first and second book of Nephi. And I'm just thrilled with uh, his life story and what a lesson it is to us and all the struggles that go into being a Christian. And sometimes you have to contend with your own family, your own big brothers, and and sometimes you have to contend and and pick up a sword and defend your beliefs. Some, you know, all these things that he had to go through, it's a lesson for us. And so now we come to the end of his life, the end of his story that he wants to share with us. And I just, <laughs> I'm going to say, I dig his style, man. I, he's just, so this is what he, this is the end of his book. This is the end of his writings. And this is how he decides to end it. And, and, and rightly also, I should say that this is how God commanded him all these things to be written, but this is how he decides to end it. And so I'm going to read the first line of 17 and then the end of 17 and verse 18 and that, and you that will not partake of the goodness of God, I bid you an everlasting farewell for these words shall condemn you at the last day. For what I seal on earth shall be brought against you at the judgment bar. For thus hath the Lord commanded me, and I must obey. Amen. He ends his thoughts throwing shade at anybody who's going to partake, who refuses to partake of the goodness of God. Right? Right. His last two, his last statements, his last two verses are, peace out. And I'm going to do this bat flip. Boom. And I'm out of here. And this is what anybody who's going to decide to not partake in the goodness of God I'll see you guys later because I'll bid you a, an everlasting farewell because I won't see you guys later is, is what I meant to say. And, and I'm, and my words shall condemn you at the last day and he's throwing shade at all the bad guys. Right? So don't be like that. I love his style. It's like, I'm out of here. He gives you the, the Sammy Sosa kiss after the home run. He does the bat flip and he's walking out of there throwing shade on all the bad guys. So Nephi, uh, it's going to be great to meet you someday. I hope I, I hope I do. I hope I make the cut and I make the team. Right. But, uh, this is just, he's got style, man. I, I really, uh, dig his style and I'm, and he, and he goes out dropping the mic and throwing shade on the bad guys. And so it was a great opportunity to to read the books of Nephi, and we're going to continue on with the rest of these guys who are going to... He has set the standard, right? He has... These two books are what the rest of the writers in the Book of Mormon have to live up to, and they have them. They're going to have the books of Nephi in front of them, and they're going to have to look back at this guy and say, "We this is a tough act to follow, and I love his style, so... That's the end of chapter 15. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. For my yoke is easy.